This is Raider Nation Radio 920, live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, unnecessary roughness in your ear hole. Demond Cotton in the home studios, your boy Q, going to be here with you for the next two hours. And I'll tell you one thing, off top, I'm glad to be indoors. I'm glad we do radio inside, because brother, (laughs) if today was a day that we were outside anywhere, it would not be the business. It is cold and it is windy in the Las Vegas area, man, I was uh, I drove to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and I got into the parking lot probably about 40 minutes before the show started. So I thought, well, it's a little windy and a little cold outside, even a little rainy outside. I'll wait a few minutes and let it pass by because, you know, a lot of times around here, it just passes by. Well, guess what it did in a matter of 10 minutes while I sat in the car and waited? It got colder. <laughs> it got colder, it got darker, and it got windier. So I said, well, let me just go ahead and chalk this up to a loss. And I'm going to go ahead and walk across the parking lot and make my way inside. And, man, it was, you know when that walk feels like it's a lot longer than it really is? Because it wasn't that far of a walk. It almost felt like I was walking to the principal's office. You know what I mean? When you know you're in trouble and you had to walk to the principal's office, that walk just seemed like it was a little bit longer. That's how that walk felt, man. I was, I was so excited when I got inside the building here, got inside the studio. They said, Q, how you doing? I said, I'm great. I'm fantastic now that I'm warm. Only problem is I got to leave in two hours, so in two hours, whatever it was outside a little while ago, it's going to be a little bit worse. So I guess I'll have to deal with that when that comes around. But uh, excited to be back here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as we are each and every Tuesday. Definitely appreciate the, the Raiders for housing us as they house the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and, uh, and Heidi Fang uh, on, on Wednesdays. And, and also Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle usually do that on Thursdays. So it's always a pleasure to be here in the studio. Got a lot to get to coming up on today's show. Some real fantastic guests as we have normally each and every day. We have some fantastic guests, at least in my opinion. Coming up today at 2.30, we didn't get to talk to him yesterday because he was traveling. But two-time Super Bowl champion and also Heisman Trophy winner Jim Plunkett is going to join the show, and that's really what I'm going to focus in on. I'll talk about the game on Sunday and talk about what the Raiders need to do moving forward with four games left to go starting this, uh, this Saturday against the Cleveland Browns. But he was there in New York at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Bryce Young from Alabama took home the trophy, and it was so, it's so awesome. And this is just how my mind thinks, not necessarily saying it's correct, but this is how my mind thinks. We had uh, Emily Van Buskirk. She was on our show on Friday here on Raider Nation Radio 920. She was in New York. She was covering Army-Navy, and she was covering the Heisman Trophy ceremony. So we got to talk to her pre both of those events, the game and then also the Heisman Trophy. And then we follow it up with a great interview yesterday, and hopefully you checked it out. If you did not, my man Demond Cotton, who's back in the home studio, he tweeted it out yesterday from the Raider Nation Radio 920 account. Uh, Michael Cooper, Navy wide receiver, he joined the show to talk about the win over Army, not to rub it in anyone's face that is an Army fan or someone who served in the Army. It wasn't about that. It was about just celebrating what Michael was able to do his accomplishments and his servicemen, uh, you know, with the Navy and the, uh, the, the meaning of that game and, and how it's so much bigger than just a game. So hopefully you got to check out that interview. It was fantastic. I really uh, enjoyed talking to that young man, and he's very, 
I mean, he's he's wise beyond his ears, and and I know sometimes that's just like some cliche that people throw out there, but you could tell that this dude, uh, he he gets it. He figures things out. He understands things. It was a fantastic conversation. I really did enjoy it. So if you didn't get a chance to look at or listen to it, make sure you go back and check out the Raider Nation Radio 920 Twitter account because we did tweet it out. Uh, so Michael Cooper joined us on Monday to talk about Navy. And so today, Jim Plunkett, who was at the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony as a Heisman Trophy uh, winner himself, you know, back in the day, and obviously there's a, a, a lot of Heisman Trophy winners, and the Raiders have multiples uh, in, in their fraternity, including Tim Brown, including Charles Woodson. You know, I mean, those, those, it's just it's cool to, to be able to talk to him now that he's back and he's able to, you know, settle down and just say, hey, what was that event like? That's something that everyone doesn't get to experience. And part of our job here at least part of my job, I believe, here at Raider Nation Radio 920 is to be able to bring as many events to you and help you experience it if you can't experience it. And so I've never been to a Heisman Trophy ceremony. Now, I watched a, a player that I covered win a Heisman Trophy in Robert Griffin III when I was covering Baylor. Uh, that was fantastic. And that I covered it from a distance. I didn't get to go to the ceremony, so I can only imagine how great that was. So Jim will kind of give us the sounds and the sights and, you know, the experiences and just how it is to be a Heisman Trophy winner. That's part of a fraternity that they can never take away from you. Once you're a Heisman Trophy winner, once you're that guy, you're that guy. They can't ever take that away from you. It doesn't uh, vacate next year. I mean, you're part of that fraternity, and so we'll talk to them about that. Of course, we'll dip into the Raiders and Chiefs game, and we'll, we'll, we'll dip into what they need to do, the team needs to do, the final four games of the season as well. So Jim Plunkett will join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He's our normal Tuesday guest. He'll join us to talk all things NFL, and I hate to say it. I know a lot of people are going to like cringe when you hear it. Right now, the biggest, the biggest word in the NFL is COVID. I mean, unfortunately, that's what it is right now. The biggest word across the NFL right now is COVID. The Chiefs have multiple players that they've put on the COVID-19 list. The Raiders' upcoming opponent, the Browns, they've had multiple players. Their team is under quarantine right now or under COVID protocols. Right now, there's like seven teams in the league. Teams, not players. Teams throughout the course of the league under these COVID protocols. And regardless how you feel about the situation or what is going on, it's obviously something to pay attention to. The Monday night football game was affected last night with the Rams and the, the Cardinals, even though the Rams still found a way to win. You know, a guy that played in the game last night, Odell Beckham Jr., he's been put on the COVID-19 list. I mean, there's just so many teams and players and a lot of positive, uh, you know, a lot of positive tests have come back uh, the last two days. And so that's one of the biggest words in the NFL right now. And that's unfortunate because it's December 14th. You know, we're about to get into week 15 of the regular season. There's so much going on in the league on the field. It stinks that this is something that is such a big story right now. But unfortunately, that's what it is. So we'll talk to him about everything going on as far as uh, the NFL goes with all these teams being affected by COVID. We'll also talk to him about a a big announcement that we're expecting to hear tomorrow. Uh, The Raiders will make official and the NFL will probably make official if they haven't already done it. And actually they haven't, but they're having their owners meetings going on in Dallas right now. So we're expecting to hear word any minute now about Super Bowl 58 and where it's going to be located at. Vinny Bonsignor put out the story yesterday on the Las Vegas Review Journal that it's going to be right here in Las Vegas. John McClain was part of the he was part of the committee when Houston got their last Super Bowl and he wanted to make sure and I remember him going into big detail and this is a question I'll ask him when he joins us at three o'clock. He went into detail about how he wanted to make sure that Houston, the city itself, was prepared for the Super Bowl and was able to make it something that everyone enjoyed, from the media to the fans to everyone that was coming into town. It's a really big deal. 
And I don't think anyone's surprised that Las Vegas is getting a Super Bowl. I mean, that's when you when when you build the stadium, they will come. You know, when they build the stadium, that was part of it that they're going to get a Super Bowl. But to be able to get that, I think it's a really big deal. It's going to obviously bring a lot of revenue to the city. But you know, just kind of the thoughts and the planning and how long it takes. People always ask, well, why do why do they say? Where the where the uh, location is going to be so many years in advance because it takes a long time to get this thing going. So we'll talk to John McClain about that, and of course other storylines across the NFL. That'll be at three o'clock, uh, kicking off hour number two of the show, and then at three thirty, Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. She also joins us each and every Tuesday. We'll talk to her about what she feels, how excited she is as someone who's uh, rooted here in Las Vegas, has been rooted here in Las Vegas, uh, going to see a Super Bowl come to the city and. When I first arrived here in July, we talked to Cassie. She was one of the first guests that I had on the show. She was actually, before I even arrived in Las Vegas, she was someone that I reached out to and said, hey, I want to have you on my show every single week as a weekly guest. But just because I, I respected the work she did at the Las Vegas Review Journal, and she is my witness, she'll tell you that, that she was probably one of the first per- people I met with when I arrived here in, in Las Vegas just because of what she's able to do plus how long she's been here in the city so she can kind of, you know, not guide me around town, but kind of give me a little pointers here and there on, on what I need to know, what I don't need to know. And so uh, Cassie's a really good friend. Her family is really good friends. Her fiance is a really good friend. I mean, all of them are really good friends. I consider really good friends. So uh, she'll join us at 3.30. And I just, I asked her before, I remember in July, how much have you seen this city grow now that it has a professional hockey team, has a professional football team, and it's growing? Well, this is part of growth. And the growth is getting a Super Bowl to be here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And that stadium is going to, it's going to house so many incredible events. February 6th, it's going to house the Pro Bowl. You know, it's going to be the hub for, uh, you know, the draft coming up in, in April. Of course, that's going to uh, actually take place down uh, on the Las Vegas Strip. But, I mean, Allegiant Stadium, there's a reason why the draft is going to be here as well. So another major, massive event coming to Las Vegas with the NFL in the Super Bowl with Super Bowl 58. So we'll talk to her about that and all things going on Raider-related coming up at 3.30. With that being said, I want to throw out a question out there on the Salmon Ash text line. I like to come to the show with at least one question every single day, a little topic that we can uh, discuss and uh, go back and forth with. And, of course, want to hear from you on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. And then also the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. And it kind of plays off the whole Super Bowl 58 thing. And, and, and I want to know because I don't know. I'm not being a smart aleck or anything. I'm, I'm asking because – I've never been in a city. I've never worked for a radio station or, you know, been in, in close proximity of an area that is hosting a Super Bowl. I mean, when I was in Central Texas and, and the Cowboys uh, got the Super Bowl at AT&T Stadium, I wasn't necessarily even really covering the Cowboys at that time. I was still more on the hip hop side of things than I was even on the sports side of things. So that didn't really affect me. So I don't know. So when I ask this question, I'm being genuine about it. So no one think that I'm being, you know, like I said, a smart aleck about it because I'm not. But I want to know from Raider Nation, do you get excited about that announcement of a Super Bowl being played in your favorite team's home stadium? Does that do anything for you? Because it might not. It might not. It does something for me. I get jazzed up. I get excited. But that's just me. So I'm asking you, do you get excited about the announcement of a Super Bowl being played in your team's stadium? And then part B of the question, would, and this is where it really gets personal when it comes to the silver and black, would the Raiders hosting Super Bowl 58 make the weight worth it to you because Tampa Bay hosted it last year right who knows what's going to happen this year of course it's being played in LA at SoFi Stadium are the Rams going to be there to 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 host it they won last night I don't think that they're a Super Bowl team but you never know 
So if the Raiders were there in Super Bowl 58 to host it at Allegiant Stadium, would the time that you've waited since the team was a playoff team in 2016 till then, would that be worth it? I'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200. And again, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r Let me get your thoughts on that. As I mentioned, uh, very excited about the guests that we have coming up on the show as well. Coming up at 2.30 to start things off will be Jim Plunkett, the two-time Super Bowl champ, also the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, we also received the Raiders injury report. It's out on Tuesday because the game is being played on Saturday, so I, hustle, I want to hustle up and go through it real quickly as far as the silver and black is concerned. Just looking at some guys, there's a lot of, of names that are missing from the Cleveland Browns currently because the, the Browns have like eight or nine guys in the COVID-19 protocol as the whole team is really under protocol. They're doing meetings virtually today. But just looking at the Raiders and, and as far as their injury report, safety Jonathan Abram, illness, he did not participate today. Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback, dealing with a toe injury, as Rich Basaccia mentioned on Monday, he did not participate. Linebacker Denzel Perriman, dealing with the ankle injury still, he did not participate. And tight end Darren Waller, knee and back injury, he did not participate. Guys that were limited, defensive end Max Crosby, dealing with the calf injury. Tight end Foster Moreau, dealing with the abs injury. Carl Nassib, defensive end, knee injury, he was limited. And then Patrick Owasu, dealing with the hamstring, he was limited as well. Uh, a couple guys on the list that were full participants, linebacker Markel Lee, dealing with a rib injury, but he was full, that's good. And safety Trayvon Merrick, dealing with a tooth situation. And he was full. So, and I'll say this: when I saw Trayvon Merrick and Tooth, I uh, I remember one time when I was uh, I was on the radio. Literally, I was doing my show in Central Texas, and I was having a toothache. And I remember I had talked about I think it was Barry Church. He had, he was playing for the Cowboys, and he missed practice because of a tooth uh, situation. His tooth hurt. And so I remember I was saying, "Oh, come on, man! You're a big, tough football player, and you got a tooth injury. A tooth." Like, come on, man, you can muscle through that. Like, I, I dogged the mess out of Barry Church, right? I did. And then all of a sudden, I was on the show one day, and Karma came back and bit me in the backside because, man, all of a sudden, my tooth started hurting. And I remember I told my co-host, I was like, man, I don't know, my tooth hurts a little bit. And I was like, but it's, it's only a tooth. It can't be a big deal. I promise you, brother, by the end of the show, I think I was about one hour in when it started to hurt. By the end of the show, I was about two and a half hours in. All of a sudden, it's, I felt like I got shot in the face. I felt like literally somebody shot me in my face. And... In the commercial break, I like just I almost went down. I almost fell to my knees. It hurt so bad. And it was funny because someone who worked in the building thought that one of my co-hosts got mad at me and like punched me. <laughs> Not that I punched it because I walked out of the studio holding my hand or holding my face with my hand. And they're like, man, did someone did they get that serious? Did you guys he punched you? I was like, no, man, it's my tooth. It's so bad. Anyway, long story short, I had to go get my tooth pulled that day. That day, I had to get my tooth pulled. It was in bad shape. It was bad business. And so I said then, I will never Ever, as God is my witness, I'll never make fun of anyone who's dealing with any kind of tooth injury. And I guarantee you right now someone's listening like, yeah, Q, are you serious? Was that the longest you were ever quiet? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. Man, I was in bad shape, brother. I was trying to do anything. Like, like someone was, you know, people give you home remedies of what to do. One person, uh, this lady in the, in the hallway, the one we call Tall Linda, she was in the hallway and she's like, you know what you need to do? You need to... Uh, you need to chop up some aspirin and just put it directly on your tooth. And I was like, okay, fine. So it looked like I had, like, cocaine on my desk because it was just, you know what I mean? It was, like, white residue on my desk. I was like, no, it's aspirin. They're like, oh, sure it is, Q. You know what I mean? But everyone's trying to give me all these home remedies. And I was like, man, I just got to go to the dentist. Let me take care of this. And the dude was like, oh, yeah, I could do this or that or I could just pull it. I was like, man, pull that thing. It was actually my wisdom tooth. I was like, man, pull that thing. I don't care. I don't need that much wisdom. 
So, yeah, that was bad news. So when I saw Trayvon, Trayvon Merrick on there with the tooth injury, I, all I could do is feel for him. I almost apologized for him. I hope that uh, he's okay with that tooth because those things could really, really hurt you. 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. DeMond, you said we ha- who do we have up first on the line? Raider Reggie. Let's go out to Raider Reggie right here in the hometown. What's up, Raider Reggie? What's on your mind? One time for the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> Stay away from the sugar, man. If your tooth is tearing you up like that, you must have some serious cavities or something. No, no. It was, it was, my, it was my wisdom tooth because I, I don't even eat candy. I'm not even a candy guy, but it was my oh, wisdom I, tooth. I had to do that because that was hilarious because I've been through it, man. I had two <laughs> wisdom teeth. But then I knew DeMond was going to get you, man. <laughs> was that the longest you ever been quiet? <laughs> DeMond, get back, get back. Hey, man, what's going on? It's been a minute. I'm, I'm still trying to recover from my hangover from Sunday, but I, I'll leave that back at the house. Since I'm on with you guys, yeah, we get excited about Super Bowls. I, I, I lived in... Frisco when it came up there, even though I didn't like how they did it, it right. I was still there and I got to go take my kids up and let them experience the, the Super Bowl weekend. I, I was in Miami once when it came, so yeah, we get fired up, but the, the thing you would want is to have that ability like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? They get the Super Bowl in their town, and they get to play in the Super right. Bowl. Right. You know, that's what you want. So with that being said, the, I was on hold with my guy, JT, and I was working, so I had to, to get off the line, and I, I wish I could have stayed on. But I was about to say, the thing is, right now, I feel like it's, it's, it's beyond uh, just getting pumped up and getting motivated. It's something going on where the leadership, there's there's some type of divide from the leadership because we could even look at the situation with how that game started with them standing on the logo. That's a leadership thing. And if you feel so disconnected from leadership or if you felt like it's okay to do, I'm thinking there's some kind of gap with the leadership. And I love my boy Yannick. I, I, I understand he probably wanted to get them pumped up. Can you imagine if we won that game, it wouldn't be getting talked about the way it's getting talked about now. You know, they'd be like, no. oh, they was fired up. They came out and they, yeah. they made a stance. You know, I get it. But you don't make those type of uh, mistakes like that because it's, it's just not, um, it's not a respectable thing to do. But anyway, with that being said, I feel like listening to Diablo talk, uh, listening to um, – a couple other players talking about the difference in how some of them come in. Even Carr made a statement. Some of us right. come and give their all. That's telling me something about the leadership. And, you know, we went from if we just had a decent defense, <laughs> right. if our defense could just this and that. Okay, we got that. So now our offense is, dang, we third, third and worse. Yeah, I love to hear third and Renfo, but third down is our worst down right. on offense and defense sometimes. So when it comes down to it, man, where does the creativity come in? Because when you hear something like Basaccia saying what he said, it kind of disappointed me, man. I'm trying to keep myself from going off about him because I don't know what type of pressure he under. 
But for him to make that statement to say not one thing is going to change or one player come, yes, it will. That one play could change it all. That one fumble pretty much changed it all. So one play can make a difference. So come on, man. They need to come out here, come with something different, not this same old repeat, repeat, slow motion, you know, third down and short, and you throw behind the sticks, and then we punt. Let's do something different, man. Raider Nation, I know y'all pissed off as I was all weekend. After we saw that, seriously, I was sick. I couldn't believe that we went out there and laid an egg like that. That was ridiculous. So I'm hoping Raider Nation stand up. Hey, keep on up about this event once we get to the Denver game. I need y'all. I need y'all help for to get them to the game event I'm doing. Oh, you just cut out. Okay, let me know. Let me know. You just cut out. But uh, let me know. I'll definitely take care of you. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, and uh, look, I'll say this about Rich Basaccia. He was put in a situation that there's no coach in the league, no assistant in the league ever thought he'd be put in or anyone would be put in. Like, no one would have woke up thinking this is the scenario that I'm going to be under, but he was. And I think that he's done a hell of a job. I think he's done the very best he's could or can. And, and I really do commend him for that. I, I, I don't think – Anybody would want to be put in that situation. Uh, I continue to go back to anything that I know that I feel like could be even on the same level of what's been going on here, and, and that's, that's the situation that happened at Baylor once Art Briles got fired and Jim Grobe came in, and Jim Grobe was in such a crazy situation, and he just he basically calmed the waters. You know, He did the very best he could to calm the waters. Did he hit all the right buttons? No. Did he make all the right decisions? No. But he did the very best he could to lead those troops the rest of the way and, and handle their business and, and, and just like I said, get them, get them uh, out of there with their head above water. You know, and, and again, that's all I know. I base this thing off of is what I know and situations I've seen. And so I feel like Rich Basaccia was thrown in a situation very similar to what Jim Grove was thrown into. And even to this day, Baylor fans and Baylor, the, the, the school, they honor Jim Grobe all the time because they know that that job that he was put under was something that nobody would sign up for. Derek Carr, he met with the media earlier today, and there's obviously a lot of frustration going on. Rich Basaccia told us yesterday in the media he thinks that you know frustration is a wasted emotion. I understand where he's coming from. I get it, but still it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of frustration going on with the players, with the fans, with the coaches, all that. Well, Derek Carr talked earlier today and mentioned his frustration and the mood. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, frustration is one of those things that, you know, it- it's frustration says, like I've said it a whole bunch of times, but, you know, Coach Pisaccia has been great as a leader and as a coach. He teaches you when you're frustrated. Frustration means that you don't think that you can fix the problem. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be, you know, uh, you know mad at something. But um, you got to be able to move on. And, and I believe that. So maybe I, I've used the word in the past out of context, you know, um, you know, because I believe we can always fix it. I believe that um, with every day that I wake up, you know, when I get to the building and when I put all this work in, I'm, I'm believing that I'm part of the solution, just like a lot of our guys are when they come in and they're doing the right things over and over again. You want to be a part of the solution. And so uh, so I, I agree with coach, you know, when he says that, you know, and he's helped, you know, uh, you know, change the way I think on that word, you know, and, you know, hopefully get it out of my vocabulary because. Uh, usually when you use that word, you're, you're just describing an emotion, but it really means you don't think it can change. And so to me, I, I'm trying to be someone that is always a part of the change and always a part of answering or being a problem solver, not a problem uh, creator. 
So there's Derek Carr from earlier just talking about the frustration and mood and kind of breaking down even the definition of frustration and, and what, you know, Coach Rich Basaccia is, is telling the, the guys in that locker room. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, questions being, being asked, I'm sure, in that locker room. And when you come off a loss like you did against Kansas City, I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of frustration. There's going to be a lot of uh, mood. You know, there's going to be a lot of bad mood in there. Like K.J. Wright said, following the game, I was embarrassed. You know, something that he said. So uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, Derek Carr says he's trying to be part of the solution, and there's four games starting on Saturday against the Cleveland Browns to try to get to that solution. You know, part of the solution for Derek Carr and, and the offense in, in particular, like Raider Reggie said, you know, uh, all we talked about in the, off, in the offseason was, well, if the team has, you know, a top 15 defense or a middle-of-the-pack defense, the team is going to be great. Offense is going to take off. You know they can score. Well, just defense just needs to, you know, be middle-of-the-pack. Well, they got that, but the, 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 the offense isn't doing – uh, holding up to their end of the bargain, a lot of that comes back down to the offensive line, something that we talked about in great detail on Monday's show. Talked to Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, just broke down the numbers of the offensive line. So uh, here's Derek Carr talking about the offensive line, then we'll take a break. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a really good front. Um, you know, we know uh, we've played against, I, I've played against a lot of these, these players, maybe not all at once, but I've played against a lot of these players, and they're all uh, super talented, some of the best um, in the whole whole NFL in the whole world, and um, you know we'll have our work cut out for us. And um, you know again, th- th- it's the NFL. You know the games are won; they're won in the trenches. You know, and um, you know it's going to be a it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a great um, great competition. Uh, you know, and great um, great challenge for us uh, as an offense. You know, to see if we can. Um, not only move the ball, I think we can move the ball, but um, not saying that we can just move it on anybody. But I feel like we've done that well. But we got to score points, you know, and and to do that against this defense is going to take all eleven because these guys are really good. Not just on the D line, they're really good everywhere. So there's Derek Carr talking about the offensive line and the defense of the Browns. And I'll say this, man, you got Miles Garrett and you got Jadavion Clowney. And I know I haven't given Jadavion Clowney a ton of respect over the years, but I mean him playing across. From from uh, Miles Garrett is, is something, you know. Miles Garrett's having an awesome year. Probably end up going being Defensive Player of the Year. And Jadavion Clowney's holding his own. You know, he's a heck of a bookend right there. So it's going to be an absolute challenge. Again, I know the Browns currently are dealing with a bunch of COVID issues. That doesn't mean that they're going to be dealing with a bunch on Saturday. And it doesn't mean even if they are that that's even a competitive advantage. I mean, I, I'm not looking at that. I never want to see anybody uh, be without their good players. I never root for injury. I never root for guys to be out for any reason, especially not COVID. I don't want anybody to miss the game. I hate Jalen Ramsey missed last night's game, and apparently he didn't even test positive, you know. And so there's a there's a lot of things that I you know don't like, but I want all the players to be out there. But I'll tell you, man, that Browns defense is nothing to shake a stick at. They can play. <laughs> they can get after it. So yeah, Derek Carr talking about moving the ball, moving the ball and scoring is going to be tough. And you remember last year when they went to Cleveland and played? Uh, it was ugly weather. They they even came up with a new name for the weather. It was so ugly out there. And the Raiders came away with the victory. It was a very low-scoring affair. Can they muck it up and do that again? Well, we'll find out on Saturday, and we'll have all week to talk about that. But coming up next, as we're live right now from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, we have two-time Super Bowl champ and Heisman Trophy winner, Jim Plunkett. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. 
And here we are at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, 229 is the time, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And pleased to have now on the phone lines two-time Super Bowl champ Jim Plunkett, also Heisman Trophy winner. And normally we catch up with you, Jim, on Mondays, but you were traveling, uh, coming back from the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And that's really what I want to concentrate on today with you because that's an elite, elite uh, fraternity, something that they can never take away from you. So while you were there in New York for the ceremony uh, that Bryce Young uh, eventually takes home from Alabama, well, what is that like going back there and just that experience? Oh, it's always a great time to, to, uh, to see if I, my fellow Heisman winners, uh, past and uh, future to be. Some of those kids uh, came with their coaches. Uh, and it, it's a great, great, uh, uh, I think, how do you put it, uh, get-together, you know, former Heisman Trophies winners, winners their families, uh, what they've done since. Some went into the, uh, you know, the NFL, some did not. But, uh, you know, we, we tell about our experiences going back. You know, I, I was there. They had it at the Marriott uh, downtown in Times Square now uh, because the old uh, downtown athletic club went down in 9-11, which was really historical for all of us to, to be at that downtown athletic uh, uh, hotel and, and gymnasium and where they held the, the uh, the uh, the dinner for all the Heisman winners. It's a great experience, and to, to see them today, their families, uh, it was a wonderful time. You know, I mentioned Bryce Young was the winner from Alabama. He's the first quarterback in Alabama uh, program history to win the, the Heisman Trophy. Of course, they've had plenty. You were the first uh, Stanford. You were the first member of Stanford to, to win a Heisman Trophy. Uh, did you get a chance to talk to him? And, and does that, did they kind of, you feel like a little bit of, um, I don't know, like you guys were on the same level or something because you guys were both the first in program history? Uh, yeah, you know, I was the first and only so far. So, uh, right. uh, and uh, and Bryce Young, nice young man. Uh, you know, they not only uh, uh, choose them for for their play on the field, but the type of person they are off the field. And uh, you know, he's a very humble guy. Uh, spoke very little, but uh, spoke forcefully. Uh, he gave, gave a great talk at the dinner, and we're all excited to have him in uh, in our uh, in our house. What does it mean to you, as you mentioned, it's, it's not only about the play on the field, but also the, the young man off the field. What does it mean to you to, to be a Heisman Trophy winner? Oh, yeah, I'm very proud of that fact. You know, uh, kind of came out of nowhere when I went to Stanford. Uh, uh, I had uh, a cancerous growth on my neck, didn't even play my freshman year. Uh, was red-shirted, and, uh, you know, it was an exciting time in my life, not only to play for Stanford and and go to the Rose Bowl for the first time in 19 years, but to actually uh, come away as a Heisman winner. Talking right now with Jim Plunkett from uh, Raider, on Raider Nation Radio 920, and, and you mentioned you know when you went in the Heisman Trophy that year. It was Archie Manning or or Joe Theismann. Those were the two you know that everyone thought okay they're going to compete for the Heisman, and you go and have a, a record performance, a great season, and then on top of that, finish out your collegiate career with a win over Ohio State, who was number one. They hadn't they hadn't lost a game all season. I mean that must have been such a great journey for you. It certainly was, you know, after initially getting there and knowing, not knowing where my career was going to go after having surgery entering Stanford and then to wind up uh, my career uh, as a Heisman Trophy winner, a Super Bowl winner, along with my teammates. It was a tremendous ride, a tremendous experience, uh, something that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, I don't know if it, goes, if it goes above those two Super Bowls, but it's certainly right up there. It was, it was a wonderful experience. 
Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it really does. And, again, that's just a, an awesome fraternity just to go back and, and be able to see all those players that are part of that and, and, and former Heisman Trophy winners and, like you mentioned, you know, ones that are going to be uh, going in there each and every year. Uh, you mentioned that you don't know if it, it goes better, than, it's higher than the, than the uh, Super Bowls, but, I mean, as far as accomplishments, how high is that up there for you? Uh, there, you know, different times, to say the least. A young man uh, coming out of Stanford at you know, 21, 22 years of age, uh, not knowing where my career was going to go when I first got there, they were uh, you know a run style. John Relson had uh, ran the option, ran the ball quite a bit. When I got there, they changed their offense to accommodate me because I was a much better uh, thrower than I was a runner. I guarantee you, and uh, you know it, it helped me be uh, have the success that I had, being able to throw the ball, not having to run all that much. Uh, and, uh, you know, it helped my career tremendously. And, I, you know, John made, uh, you know, a tough decision for him on his part because he recruited these running backs from all over the country. And all of a sudden he changed the offense to, to accommodate me. And that was, uh, you know, uh, great on his part. During that year, as I mentioned, Archie Manning and, and Joe Theismann, those were the right. two favorites for the longest. Did that ever creep into your mind or did you just go out and play ball? You know, I try to go out and play ball, but, you, you know, you can't get it out of your head because everybody's asking you that question, you know. Coming to, you know, I, had, uh, I think I came in seventh my junior year in the voting selection. Uh, so, you know, I knew I had a possibility, but, you know, uh, both Seisman and Archie had, had really darn good years, and, uh, you know, it was pretty much of a toss-up. But, uh, you know, in the end, uh, with the help of my teammates, uh, you know, helped, me, helped put me on top and, and being selected the Heisman, uh, as the Heisman winner that year was, was, you know, just a very thrilling, exciting time for me. How exciting is it not only to be a member of the Heisman fraternity, but also be a member of the Raiders, you know, and, and knowing how many Heisman Trophy winners uh, the Raiders organization has as well, including yourself? Yeah, you know, Tim Brown, uh, uh, see, Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, uh, you know, to play alongside those guys was, was, was a lot of fun for me. And, and, you know, we talked about our experiences back in New York and, and the way they treated us, uh, you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun uh, exchanging our, uh, you know, the experiences we had at the Heisman uh, 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 award ceremony. I can only imagine. I bet those conversations were fantastic. I'd love to be just a fly on the wall just to listen to those. Don't need to say anything, but just sit back and listen to those conversations would be a lot of fun. Again, we're talking with Jim Plunkett here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I did want to dip into the game a little bit on Sunday with Kansas City. Obviously, the Raiders uh, didn't have the performance that they wanted to, got beat pretty bad. Uh, when, when you get beat like that and it's, it's, your, it's your bitter rival like the Kansas City Chiefs are, how much more does that even hurt or sting? Well, it hurts for, for a number of reasons. First of all, you know, they got stomped pretty good, which is, you know, not a whole lot of fun on the, on the Raiders' part. Uh, and they're, they're, they're a rival. They're in the division. You face them twice a year, every year. Uh, and not only does, you know, it's a little humiliating to be, get beat the way they did. But, you know, it, it also, you know, their goal is to make the playoffs, and, that, and that's going to hurt them in that respect. Uh, I think they have a little bit of a chance, but they've got to win out these last four games, and, and hopefully other things go their way to, to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, their backs are absolutely against the wall now, like you said, really have to win out these last four games, starting with Cleveland on Saturday. And uh, I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, getting the team fired up, coming out of the locker room, and they attempted to do that on Sunday by, you know, standing and having their little meeting on the, on the Chiefs logo, and it's been made a big deal. What did you think about that when you saw and heard that? 
Well, you know, I, I, you know, it may, you know, you got to be a professional. You got to go out there and do what you do best, and that's play the the game of football. And you know, all these little side things uh, to me, are, I, in my opinion, are kind of a waste of time. Just go out, play the game, come away uh, a winner, and, and you know that'll speak uh, volumes. Tim Brown put out yesterday a, a tweet, and he was talking about '99 when they were playing Kansas City, and they were playing for nothing at all. They had nothing to uh, to win. They were just finishing out the season, but they were down 17. And he said, "Hey, we went into the locker room, and there was a challenge put out there. If you don't care about this game, don't come out of the locker room." And well, the players came out of the locker room. They won that game, and then three seasons later, two AFC championships, and they had gone to a Super Bowl. You know, it's just almost like the culture changed that day because they made that decision to stop losing. Is that something that you feel like someone in that locker room needs to do it just say it stops now we're going to start winning immediately oh absolutely you know you always have a leader or two in that uh, locker room that goes out and and you know not only says uh, what needs to be done but goes out there and and, and does it and and, and the, you know the, his teammates look up to that uh you know they don't want to let their other teammate down so you know you go out there and work your butt off and you know hopefully come out on top but you know sometimes you know those little locker room talks not by the coaches uh, but by the players, make a, a whole heck of a lot of difference. So with four games left, Jim, you're in the locker room. I know you weren't a big rah-rah guy, but, I mean, who are you looking to? Who would you be looking to right now to kind of rally the troops for the last four games? You know, it can come from anywhere. You know, you, you know, defensive could all, all of a sudden stand up and, and shut down other teams during the course of uh, these last four games. Or offensively, the running game goes in, uh, into play. But as a quarterback, you know, you want to be the guy to – to help turn that around, to, to make things happen offensively, put points on the board, and outscore the other team. And you know, as a quarterback, you know, in my opinion, it always falls on the quarterback's shoulders. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily true, but that's the way I felt about it. Right, no, no doubt about it. And I think that's how a lot of people look at it as well. Like, hey, that's the guy, that's the main dude. So uh, you're going to look for him for that leadership. And final question for you: They play Cleveland on Saturday. It's a short week. Does that kind of help a little bit because you can get that taste out of that bad loss on Sunday out of your mouth a little sooner and just get back to the game and get back to playing on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, you know, things didn't go uh, obviously very well this past week. Uh, time to uh, you know regroup, uh, concentrate on the upcoming game. And, you know, and you're right, you know, getting back on the field sooner uh, with a short week, uh, you know, it takes your mind off the loss, hopefully, to a certain extent, because you've got to look forward to that next game, and, and, you know, hopefully that'll pay off. Absolutely. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. It was great just catching up about the Heisman. Uh, it was cool seeing you there on stage uh, when, when they were giving Bryce Young the award. So uh, shout out to you, and thank you so much for your time, as always. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. There he goes, Jim Plunkett, Heisman Trophy winner, two-time Super Bowl champ, joins us each week, usually just joins us on Monday following the game, but he was traveling back, coming back from New York after the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and it was. It was really cool. I remember I was sitting at the house watching it, and uh, I, I told the wife, I said, look, see right there? See in the silver and black suit right there? That's Jim Plunkett. I talk to him every Monday. It's cool. I don't know. I know. I I get excited about little small things that don't mean anything to anybody. I'm sure she didn't even care, but she was like, oh, that's great. You know, and she just was entertaining. She tried to entertain me, so I could appreciate that. But many thanks to Jim Plunkett uh, for joining us there, uh, giving us a few minutes of his time as he does each and every week. 2.40 is the time when we come back. Got some uh, very patient listeners sitting by on the Raider Nation listener line, plus got a lot of really good texts and Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, he just put out about the salary cap, what it's going to be next year, and how much it's going to go up from 2021. I'll tell you all about that next. We're at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and this is Raider Nation Radio 920.
Yo, what's up? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby. 2.45 is the time. Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Here to close out hour number one, we'll kick in hour number two with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Talk all things Super Bowl 58 as it's expected to be announced, and I believe the Raiders will be doing that tomorrow. They have a big announcement at Allegiant Stadium. Be there bright and early, about 9.30 tomorrow for that. And uh, see what I could bring back to the to the show for that tomorrow afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Uh, but we've been talking about that and talking about the expected announcement. And does that announcement get you excited as a Raiders fan, knowing that the Super Bowl is going to be played in Allegiant Stadium, in Super Bowl 58, does that excite you? Or does it do nothing for you? You know, because it, it very well could. You could say, hey, unless my team's in it, I really don't care where they play it. They could play it on the southern tip of Africa for all I care. You know, I mean, that, that could be the case. So I, I want to know from you, 702-365-9200. Of course, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Also, with the Raiders hosting Super Bowl 58, similar to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a year ago, would that make the, the wait? How long has it been since the, t- the team has been a really strong, relevant contender? Of course, they had the playoff berth for a quick second in 2016. Obviously, uh, that didn't stand a chance when Derek Carr wasn't going to be there. Would that make it all worth it? All the passion, all the, the weight, all the, you know, the want to from the fan base as far as wanting the, you know, the team to be successful. Would that make it all well worth it if by Super Bowl 58 they're actually hosting that thing? So I would love to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Uh, I got a couple text messages that I wanted to get to real quick. Uh, how about this one? Uh Q, today's announcement of the Super Bowl coming to my home team's stadium, you best believe I'm extremely excited. A few years from now, I really hope the Raiders will be the one of the elite teams in the AFC possibly playing in the Super Bowl in their own stadium. I can only imagine how crazy it'd be on the strip for a Raiders-hosted Super Bowl. How exciting would that be? Tampa was the first team to host it and win it last year. Why can't we do it in 2024? Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Uh, we got a text about Vicodin. Vicodin works like a champ for a tooth injury. Aspirin don't do anything. You got to have Vicodin. Hey, look, man, for my tooth injury, I don't think anything was going to take care of it except for pulling that thing out of there. That was all bad. All right, man, I'm telling you, that was one of my worst experiences. And, uh, and like I was telling Raider Reggie earlier, it's not from eating candy. I don't eat candy. I'm not even a candy eater. Most people look at me like, what's wrong with you? I eat Reezy's. I'll eat Reezy's because I, I really like those. But that's very random. I'll be that guy that if you even order, sometimes I'll get a birthday cake and like sometimes the job will give us a birthday cake or something and I'll take it home and I won't touch it. I'm that guy who I'll just let it sit there and sit. I just won't touch it. People bring me like Reese's and and big cups all the time. I don't touch them. I'm not really a candy guy. So it's not candy that was messing with my tooth. It was just my damn wisdom tooth was in my mouth for way too long which to the day, I haven't got my other wisdom teeth taken out, so there's that. <laughs> but, you know, that was the first one to come out. Uh, I got a text from the 775. What up, Q? I'm all about the Raiders to host the Super Bowl. Hopefully we'll be winning home games by then. That's real. And then one more text and we'll hit the phone line. Q and Demon, it's a win-win for sure, hosting the Super Bowl in your city. Maybe this will light a fire under Mark Davis to have a team built and ready to really host it in 2024. I like that. Good stuff. 702-365-9200. How about ABA Ivan Davis? You're up first. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking my call as usual. For Appreciate sure. It. Okay. Uh, first of all, you mentioned the home games. This was to all the people out in Las Vegas. 
there's way, way too many fans from other teams out there. There's, I mean, Oakland, I hate to say that there would, there'd be no way we would let another team's fans come in there and out cheer us. We don't care how many it was. Okay, there'd, just be, no, there'd be no way that we would let the other team be louder than us. Okay, and if, if y'all want to step, y'all need to step up to the plate, buy the season tickets, and then that takes care of that. And I also okay. wanted to mention something about what Derek Carr said that to me was kind of an insight to uh, what's going on uh, in the offense. CB, I think it was a CBS announcer that said, ask him, why are you always throwing to Renfro? And he, and he said he laughed and said Renfro is always open. Now you can read what you want into that statement. But, that, but as far as what I see in that is receivers are simply not getting open. So the 10 4 defense are not respecting the defense. Yeah, throw deep. We dare you to. If you get it, we'll give you credit. We're going to sit short, take everything away. And so far, that's worked. And we yeah. continue to throw into that. And I, and I don't get that. So my thing, I don't care if I do throw pitch. I'm, I'm forced. you got to force it and stretch. And I, say, I keep saying Zay Jones because he's the only one that I see on that team that can make contested catches. Okay. Okay. On that team. Okay. I mean, you watch some of the catches he make. He can go up and get that in uh, in '89. Why am I keep forgetting his name? Edwards. Brian okay. Edwards. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, good, Brian good, good stuff. Thank you for the call, my man. There's you had a lot to unpack there, so let me try to address it real quick. Uh, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones. Yeah, those are two guys that I expect to step up as well. And uh, look, there was a lot of expectations before the season started of Brian Edwards being that big time playmaker, and it just hasn't really materialized that way. And uh, again, I hate to keep going back to it, but obviously the loss of Henry Ruggs was a big deal. You know, the, those guys were kind of playing a nice little one-two punch where they almost created one almost super player. You know what I mean? Like no, none of them was going to have super stats, but it just was different. And there was separation. You were seeing separation. You're not seeing that now. That CBS announcer, I believe that was Charles Davis, who's been on the show before, was absolutely right. If you go back and look at some of the slow-mo and look where Derek Carr has to throw the ball, everyone's covered up. Everyone's covered up. And Hunter Renfro puts on a one, two, three, four, five-step move to get open. He does. And that's why the ball is going his way so much because he's always open. He always finds a way to get open. And that's just what he does. Even when he was at Clemson, he was Deshaun Watson's go-to guy for a reason. He's always finding a way to get open and coming up with a clutch catch. The minute the Raiders drafted him, I said, it's not going to be about the quantity with, with Hunter Renfro. It's going to be about the quality of catches. Third and Renfro, when you need a big catch, when you need a touchdown, he's going to be that guy to find a way to get open. Well, these days, it's about quantity as well because they don't have any choice. As far as the fans in Vegas, I've addressed this before, but I'll try to do it as quickly as possible. Um, Las Vegas fans are, are there they have tickets. They're not all going to the games because right now they're seeing a losing product. So when they spend, spend as much money as they have, they're going to sell their tickets. They're going to say, hey, you know what? Let me get a return on investment. It has to – it starts with – it's not the fans. Like we're blaming the fans for something. It's the product on the field is the first issue. Once the product on the field is better, the fans will be there. Winning cures everything. If your team is winning a lot and consistently at home, guess what? Fans will come. We saw the Cardinals last night. They don't, have a, they don't even have a home field advantage in Glendale, Arizona. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's just because of, well, years of they've not been very good at home. Now they're playing really well this year, but that's a one-off thing. So, I mean, it's so easy just to sit here and blame the fans and say, well, you guys aren't real fans. Well, I mean, some of them are learning how to be NFL fans. And some of the fans, like you mentioned, some of the fans in Oakland, come to Vegas. If you want, buy a ticket, come to Vegas, and be that real fan. Show these other ones how to how to embrace a game. You know what I mean? You can't sit at home and then complain about who's not at the game. There's a lot of empty seats at the game. I'm there every week. There's a lot of empty seats. 
Somebody needs to fill them, and if they're not going to fill them, someone else will. It's the bottom line. Up next, we got uh, Raider Mike. Raider Mike, what's on your mind, my man? My man, um, that game Sunday was the worst nightmare I've ever seen since I went first first time and only time I went AWOL during the AFC Championship against the Bills, 51-3, to when Bo went down. So the team is, is lost. I mean, the coach, is, he's way over his head. He's getting outcoached every game. Uh, the writing's on the wall. We had Dabo Sweeney in Raiders gear on the sideline. That would be a coup d'etat. Hire him, let him pull Deshaun Watson over, because D.C.'s just, he's lost the team, I think. And that's the first time I've, I've backed him for eight years. I, I, I'm sick of this, Q. I can't deal with it no more. I mean, all right. Thank, thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of decisions to be made in the offseason from a lot of different parts, you know, not only ownership and, and, and front office parts, but I think players as well. You know, I mean, I think at some point someone asked me today, hey, what do you think your gut feeling is? What's your gut feeling on, uh, on Derek Carr in the offseason? And I responded, and this is the tr- honest to God truth. I think that he's going to sit down after the season and have a lot of long discussions with his family, a lot of discussions with his wife. Uh, and, and a lot of soul-searching, a lot of praying, and decide what he wants to do. And I think he's going to have a lot of long discussions with the front office and the ownership. That's my gut feeling. That's exactly what I think is going to happen this offseason. I think D.C. is going to sit down and have plenty of conversations of what he wants to do and where he, what direction he wants to go. There's a lot of questions that a lot of different people are going to have to answer following this season, and I think he's going to have one of them. I really do. Uh, you, you don't have to agree with it. I just think that that's going to be the order of operations. I think at some point in anybody's career, regardless of how, how much you're excited about the, the team and always want to be there for the team and be a part of the solution, like you heard him say earlier, I think at some point you have to look in the mirror and say, hey, is there anything else I could do? Is there anything else I could do? And if you feel like there's nothing else you could do, like when my dad moved. My dad moved. Uh, we were living in California, and he moved. And he said... Son, there's nothing else I could do. I've done everything I could do. I've taught you everything I could teach you. I've taught you to be a man. Everything else is a learning experience for you moving on forward. And I was good with that because he taught me everything he could. There was nothing else he could do. So that could be a point where Derek Carr sits at, at home and, like I said, speaks with his wife and prays and decides if there's anything he could do moving forward. 2.56 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll join us to talk all things NFL. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.